You're listening to the Jacob Media Sports Network in partnership with AM1490 Sports Betting Radio. Subscribe to the Jacob Media channel on YouTube for access to all daily sports content. All right, welcome back, welcome back. And you heard the man. Make sure you subscribe to the Jacob Media YouTube platform, J-A-K-I-B Media. All right, it's Monday, back from the weekend, and it's now time for Johnny Mack, our NFL Eagles insider, John McMullen. Follow him on Twitter at JFMcMullen, phillyvoice.com, si.com, host of Extending the Play every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 11. Johnny Mack, how are you tonight, sir? Doing well. How are you, Brian? Doing well, man. Doing well. Um, let's get another week going here. And, you know, obviously Thursday, in case anyone lives under a rock, Carson Wentz was traded to the Colts. And that's obviously been the story that's gotten us up to tonight. It's going to get us much further as well. So, John, let me just hand the ball to you, you real quick and just fill us in on, you know, anything since our last conversation regarding Carson Wentz and the Eagles? Uh, I don't know if there's much. Uh, if you look at uh, sort of Albert Breer described the entire process, which is much of we <laughs> what we have said over the years, going all the way back to uh, the first incarnation, the so-called quarterback incubator of the Eagles that developed Carson Wentz and sort of uh, the good cop, uh, Doug Peterson, the bad cop was John Filippo, and sort of the medium cop was Frank Reich. That's how Albert described it. As we mentioned, you know, I've said time and time again that John Filippo was the the hard you-know-what, the hard-nosed coach that really got on Carson Wentz when it came to his mechanics and fundamentals, uh, which were lacking coming from North Dakota State. And ever since he left, it's been a sort of a slow downward turn and it's it sort of picked up and before the 2020 season um, left to his own devices, so to speak in the off season. So that explains a lot. And, and he also went into the process, which we've also told you on this show consistently um, Eagles tried to sort of drum up this um, trade market really was just Indianapolis <laughs> and a lot of that had to do with the fact that that's where Carson wanted to go. He made it pretty clear to the Chicago Bears, who would have been interested, uh, that he didn't want to go there. And a lot of the reasons he didn't want to go there were he wanted to get out of the sports-centric type market that's going to look at everything like we do. In uh, Chicago, it's the same way. I got news for people. This uh, It might be a little bit. But I don't even know if it's a little bit. It's, you know, it's a bigger market. The fans are just as demanding. Uh, and I don't think he wanted that. I think he wanted a more laid-back environment. And I'll get that in Indianapolis. But, look, if you're starting quarterback in the NFL, I don't care who you are, what city it is. If you don't play well, you're going to get criticism. And it's going to get ugly at times. And it's going to get ugly even in Indianapolis if he doesn't play well. Bottom line. And to add to you know that 
that topic, I saw you retweet Tory Smith, who quote tweeted John Clark. And that's 2021 in a nutshell. Um, <laughs> but Tory Smith says, "Can well, some?" He was quote tweeting an interview he did with John Clark, so it was Tory. It went to another level, an inception level. <laughs> yeah, right. Because it was Tory's original quote. So. Okay, there it is, if everyone follows that. Um, (laughs) Go to your social media device. I don't know what to tell you. Um, No, but essentially, uh, and then John, add to this, but I'll set it up. Can someone please show me multiple examples of a franchise QB that was benched and wanted to come back and play for that team? Question mark. A lot of y'all don't like keeping it real, and it shows. And I'm just going to add this. He wasn't playing like a franchise quarterback. Like He's implying that the benching wasn't... Uh, you know, deserved, for lack of a better way to put it. What, what's your thoughts on all that? No, I, I don't think that's what Tory was saying. I, I, I think, you know, everybody's pretty much on board with Carson was not playing well. Um, but where it, it kind of goes off the rails, and I, I think, um, and I, I've said this a lot, I, I mean, people can talk about, well, you should compete, and I, I've said this on the show. It's not how it works. I got news for you. It's not how it works. Um, if you're the starting quarterback, you're the starting quarterback. And, yeah, I mean, everybody's going to be upset if they get benched. Now, the realization is, I, I, I've said at the end, Carson Doug didn't want to bench Carson Wentz. He, he benched himself because he played so poorly. I don't think anybody in that organization wanted to bench Carson Wentz. But at the end, it, you will – went with him too long. I mean, that's how poorly he was performing. But I think what Tory was trying to say is the, these people who, you know, give the high school rah-rah speech that, well, he should have wanted to stay and he should have wanted to fight for his job. That's just, that's, that's not how it works in the NFL. And I, I talk about the entitlement of these quarterbacks and we've seen it uh, all over the league this off season. That's how it works. But when you talk about Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson or Aaron Rodgers, what's the difference between them and Carson Wentz? They perform. So I, I don't have a problem with it from either perspective. The Eagles knew it was over, uh, and Carson Wentz was upset because he got benched. Uh, but uh, from a personal standpoint, Carson's got to realize, okay, you wanted a, a new situation you got a new situation, but if you don't improve your play, your new situation isn't going to be better than your old situation. We've talked about Doug and Carson a lot, but I, I do want to ask you this because you bring up, you know, Doug didn't want to bench Carson, and that's not the first time you said that, but then I just want to know where it all went wrong with the report coming out the other day. They didn't talk for eight, nine, ten weeks on a personal level um, and, you know, how south that relationship went. And if Doug, you know, cared about Carson, wanted to see him succeed, didn't want to bench him, waited until the last possible minute, then what was the issue? Well, A, I don't think it was eight or nine weeks. I, I think clearly there was uh, a fracture in the relationship and, um, you know, I mentioned that bad cop, good cop, and um, now that John D. Filippo was gone, and, and Mike Rowe was the sort of the second bad cop, and they fired Mike Rowe, and I talked about that a lot. The Eagles shouldn't have done that, 
and they they sort of kowtowed to Carson Wentz. But uh, that was a Jeffrey Lurie decision. And all of a sudden, you're running out of bad cops because Carson likes Press Taylor. So who turns into the bad cop? Doug Peterson, who was once the good cop. And that's kind of what happened. But that that part, I, I don't know where this eight, nine weeks. I mean, I, I as I said, I, I saw them talking uh, over that time frame. Now, when he got benched, then it became a, a pure text relationship. And that, you know, that's. No question, there's a lot of immaturity there, uh, from likely from Carson's standpoint, to start. And I don't know how much Doug tried to reach out. You know, he's got to be the adult in, in there, and maybe he, he tried to be, but I don't, I don't know that for a fact. Uh, but, yeah, you got to be more professional. But I, I, it was not eight or nine weeks. It was more like the final four weeks when – he was benched, and in Carson's mind, when he got benched, it was over. Bottom line, we we know that now. So for all the talk and all the does he want out, doesn't he want out? Look, Howie Roseman gave his agent permission to seek a trade, and that's because he wanted out. So you can use semantics and say he didn't request a trade. Well, no, because they didn't have to. They went to to Howie and they said this relationship is broken. Uh, Howie kind of said, well, what can we do to fix it? They essentially said nothing, and he said, go shop them. That's kind of what happened. Talking with John McMullen, our NFL Eagles insider. Follow him at JF McMullen on Twitter. And, John, you and I have been talking a lot about Carson Wentz and Doug and the whole quarterback dynamic um, in Philadelphia right now, especially since Thursday. Let's get it back to the front office, though, and you have a – Excellent piece that was posted today on phillyvoice.com talking about Howie Roseman. Uh, and the title of the article is essentially, Here's What You're Missing About Eagles General Manager Howie Roseman. Uh, so, John, fill us in on what you wrote, please. Well, I, I think most of the fan base looks at Howie as the supervillain, sort of like the Bond villain, uh, the all-encompassing problem for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, and I think um, same, you know, if you think about it, the, the cartoonish nature of it, it, it's just, it's, it's much more than that. And we've kind of just went through the whole process where I barely mentioned Howie. I mentioned Jeffrey a lot and, and just Jeffrey's at, at almost, uh, at every turn in, in this relationship and, and how it went bad was something that Jeffrey Lurie did. Now, by no means, did Jeffrey Lurie want to uh, things to go poorly with Carson Wentz? I mean, he was the guy who signed him to the large extension and uh, approved all these moves, approved the historic assets being moved to acquire him. So by no means did he want this to go wrong, but he made a lot of bad decisions along the way that allowed it to go wrong. Mike Groh is one of the more underreported ones of those because that was set up for a reason. It was set up to replicate the success uh, of Doug and Frank and John DiFilippo from 2016 and 2017. That's why Doug did it that way. And, and for lack of a, the better terms, good cop, bad cop, medium cop, 
you know, all of a sudden it became um, Mike Rowe fit into the John Filippo role, and Carson didn't like him. And so what? <laughs> I mean, he right. needs that. And by the way, hopefully he realizes that in Indianapolis, and hopefully he learns from something in Philadelphia, and he realizes, you know what, I, I do need somebody who's going to call me out on certain things, and, and maybe he gets back on the right track. But um, if you move forward, we talked about the firing of Doug Peterson. You know, if he wanted to salvage this relationship, Maybe he would have said, no, Doug's the head coach of this team. You're the quarterback. I talked about it with Russell Wilson and Sean Watson. If I'm the Houston Texans, I say, look, I think you're a great player, Deshaun Watson, but I don't care what you think I should do to hire my head coach and my general manager. I'm sorry. That's out of your purview. If I'm, if I'm the Seattle Seahawks and I'm John Snyder, I'm saying, look, Russell, I want to get you players that you feel comfortable with, but you're not out there scouting. I, I'm not going to ask you who we should pick in the draft. That's not how it works. I mean, sometimes you got to reel these guys back in. And I, I think the Eagles did a really, really bad job of that. Um, see, you know, and we've been talking about this a lot, and I don't completely disagree with you, but I'll point to a couple things. Number one, I'll point to the NBA, and that's not a fair apples to apples comparison, but listen, stars in the NBA, they pick their head coaches. LeBron James has fired more head coaches than some general managers in the NBA ever have. And I'm not saying that's right. I'm not really saying it's wrong either. That's the reality of that sport. So part of this is why the NBA and not the NFL. Um, you know, and, and then part two is I look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and it seems like that organization with Bruce Arians leading the, the way is very open. Like he says, I let Tom run practices. I let them take days off and I'm sure they have input on personnel decisions. So your thoughts on all that? Well, yeah. And, and the NFL and I've kind of mentioned it is shifting towards more of an NBA sentiment, NBA mindset. I don't necessarily think that's a good thing. Uh, but I agree with you, it is shifting in that direction. And I think if organizations are smart, they'll try to fight back against that. But clearly they're losing that battle. And maybe going slowly, it's not certainly to the NBA degree, as you mentioned, but it's certainly trending in that direction. But I, I did kind of get off on a tangent because we were talking about Howie, and I, I mentioned what people don't understand about Howie Roseman is He's that lightning rod, and he's taking the heat for Jeffrey Lurie. So if you're Jeffrey Lurie, and people say, why does he keep him? Why does he keep him? Well, guess what? You're all excoriating Roseman. You're not excoriating Lurie. So from his standpoint, and I compared it to he's a localized version of Roger Goodell. If you think about all the NFL scandals and all the issues, whatever you want to call them, from Colin Kaepernick to, to – uh, punishment of certain players, the PEDs, who gets all the, the, the you-know-what? It's Roger Goodell. But who's really in charge of the league? It's the 32 owners. But all anybody talks about is Roger Goodell this, Roger Goodell's an idiot, Roger Goodell that. He's a lightning rod. Well, locally, Howie Roseman's a lightning rod for, for Jeffrey Lurie. 
And as long as he can keep that thick skin and as long as he can take it, by the way, that's, as I mentioned in the column, that's waning because they're getting really upset down there. (laughs) And how he's getting really upset about all the hits he's taken. Um, and, and, and maybe it's wearing on him. Uh, and then things can go in a negative direction. But, you know, I joked, he can always get darker tint on his windows. If he can, if he has that thick skin, Jeffrey Lori's happy because it, it, it sort of shields him from the criticism. If, if Howie Roseman is gone, the criticism isn't going away. It's just going somewhere else. And maybe when the season starts, maybe it'll start to fall on Nick Sirianni. Maybe it'll start to fall on Jalen Hurts or whoever the quarterback is. Uh, in the offseason, though, if you hire a new general manager, nobody's going to kill that guy. They're going to say, who made all these mistakes? And they're going to look at the guy at the top of the ladder. Now, you can't do anything. He's the owner of the team. You can't fire the owner. But he doesn't want to take that criticism. Jeffrey Talking with John McMullen, our NFL Eagles insider. Follow him on Twitter at JFMcMullen, phillyvoice.com, si.com. You can listen to him host Extending the Play every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 11. You know, you say if Howie's not there as a shield, it's going to go to Lori. Well, why can't he just get the next GM to be the shield? Why can't he just get a new well, human you, shield? That's what I just said. If you have a new guy, okay, you bring in a new guy. He's got a honeymoon period. He didn't do anything. They're thrilled because you just got rid of the Bond villain. But the team still stinks. And, you know, Howie's not around to kick around. So, again, that that visceral hate, and believe me, it's hate right now, that's got to go somewhere. And where does it go? Again, as I said, when you kick off, maybe it goes to Nick Sirianni. Maybe it goes to the quarterback, whoever that is. But until you get to that point, where's it going? Where's the outlet? Who 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 did all this? Who created? Who fired the Super Bowl winning coach? Who 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 you know traded Carson Wentz um, after giving him that extension? Uh, who forced God to fire Mike Rowe? Who did all this? Well, how is a part of it? I'm not trying to, you know, say there's no culpability there, but we all know where these decisions came from, or you should know. Because Howie Roseman didn't want to fire Doug Peterson. Howie Roseman didn't give a you-know-what if Doug Peterson wanted to keep Mike Rowe. These were all ownership decisions, whether people understand that or not. So is that the main and only reason that Howie is still in town for, you know, Jeffrey Lurie doesn't want to become exposed for for more potential blame? Because my question to you is, you know, how and why is Howie still here? And, you know, obviously it seems like you just answered that for the past few minutes. No, I, I just think that's a part people don't think about. Okay. There's, there's a lot of reasons he's here. Uh, one of them I also explained in the column. The football operations department is is 27 deep on the Philadelphia Eagles. The scouting department is 17 deep, um, and then you have the coaching staff, uh, which they just put together. 
and, and the roster itself. Howie Roseman is in charge of all of that. And, and uh, Jeffrey thinks he does a good job managing the department. There, it, it's, it's a bigger job, and this is one of the few things I'll defend Jeffrey on. It's a far bigger job than um, fans understand. All fans care about is draft picks and free agents, and uh, that they think that's all how he does. It's not. He runs all those departments. He hires those people. Um, and he does all that sort of heavy lifting for the organization. Jeffrey thinks he does a very good job with that. Now, you could argue he does, he doesn't. You know, he brought up the GM factory. That was another joke. Uh, they think they have five future GMs in the building. He thinks Howie's responsible for bringing those good people in the building. Joe Douglas got a GM job. Andrew Burry got a GM job. You know, John Dorsey got a high-level job after he came back to Philadelphia. Um, you know, around the rest of the league, before the season, the Eagles organization was very well regarded. Um, Jeffrey gives Howie credit for that. John McMullen every night right here. On the fix for your football fix, Eagles fix, 7.30 p.m. Monday to Friday on AM 1490 Sports Betting Radio. If you miss any of the shows and any of John and I, um, did I say that right? John and I's, our conversation? That, that's a weird one. But okay, if you miss any of our conversation, Jacob Media on YouTube, J-A-K-I-B Media. Subscribe and get the content daily. John, I appreciate it, man. Hey, thank you, Ryan. Yep, thank you. There he is, Johnny Mac. Good stuff as always, you know. Death, taxes, prop swap, writing you a check, and and Johnny Mac <laughs> providing. Always dish on Johnny. Oh. <laughs> always. Um, all right, let's get to the top of the hour VEASAN update. We'll get into a break. We'll get the second hour underway as we are live inside the prop swap studios. When we come back, our old friend. Brad Feinberg, formerly of NBC Philly and Covers.com. He's going to join Luke and I to talk about college hoops and the futures market and whatever else we stumble upon on the fix. Taking a quick break. All that and more still ahead. Marcus Hayes at 830 as well.